DJ and PK, it is time to go to the bubble in Florida and talk with Aaron Falk from UtahJazz.com. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Aaron, good morning. Good morning, guys. Wow, you got the energy. You're amped up. Of course, you got a couple uh, hours. You're, you're a little more into your day. You've done a little writing, a little photography today, a little social media. Already, you know, a little, little bit of everything, especially with a game coming up uh, so soon. So, you know, it's uh, weird, weird schedules out here, but this whole thing's weird, and so it's all about being ready. So, where do you get to sit for the games? How close do they let you to the arena, the game, the action? How does that work? Yeah, so it's, um, you know, I'm as, as close a, uh, of a seat as, as you're going to get in the year. 2020 to a to a game um you know you you david know well where press row's gone over the over the years and <laughs> this is um you know this is tucked away in a corner there are um restrictions it's it's you know no one there's usually you would have people you know photographers on baselines during a game or or what have you and and there's no one on the hardware there's one um human camera operator in midcourt behind a barrier um and so I'm, t- I'm tucked away in, in a corner, but still first row of, of seating that there would be. And you're not allowed to move once you're there. Um, you know, no locker room access, no things like that. It's just sort of try to try to limit your um, your points of contact, essentially. How is the atmosphere? Because we see it on television with the piped in noise and the virtual fans and all. I'm wondering, how is it actually in person? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's getting better. It's still um, a little strange. I, I, you know, watching the games, the other team's games, it, it looks pretty good on television. Um, in the arena, uh, you know, it's it's the, the virtual fan thing is still kind of funny and strange. And the sound um, is getting better. You know, it's it's sound that was recorded from the whatever team is, is uh, the home team for the game it's their fans um, recorded from previous games mixed by uh, you know I think three or four people mixing these things and and you know if you make a shot in the first quarter it's not quite as uh, emphatic and loud as if you make a shot in the fourth quarter that being said when, when Rudy Gobert goes to the free throw line uh, against the, the Pelicans and you know he's being booed or, or their cheers from the uh, the fans the New Orleans fans like it's not quite the same feeling at all and Donovan Mitchell said he felt like it was a kind of in a bad video game, and and I think you know there there are some people that aren't, aren't fans of that. So in a close game, do you feel the tension in the arena in the same way that you did, uh, you know, in January? Probably not, not just yet, and and maybe part of that is um, you know that right now this this Jazz team is does have a playoff spot clinched, and you know it's you're just still sort of getting back into the swing of things. Um, so not quite the same level, but, but yeah, I mean, I still definitely felt, you know, the urgency and um, what have you is, as Rudy was taking those free throws, you know, from, from both a, a basketball standpoint, a human standpoint, you're, you're monitoring the signal. And then just from a work standpoint, you're like, you know, if, if the difference between making or missing changes things in, in terms of what you're going to do post game. So, yeah, you know, you, you definitely feel that, but just not quite the same when you have 19,000 people all together, all, you know, giving off that same energy. It's, it's, it's certainly different. How many gyms are there, and do they play in the same one all the time? There are um, three game uh, 
venues, um, the HP Fieldhouse or, or what have you, uh, the arena, the main arena um, on the Wide World Sports Campus, and then uh, a, a Visa um, a themed arena. I don't know what the name of it. Um, but and then and then there are so they'll practice there from time to time, and then there are also um, a couple of hotels, um, including the one that we're staying at, that they have converted ballrooms into um, practice courts, and they've imported uh, the the courts from a few teams, Miami, Orlando, Indiana, and they've turned these ballrooms into, um, put two courts in each of the ballrooms, so there's practice times, and everybody gets a three-hour slot every day, whether they use it or not. Um, and, uh, yeah, so b- between it all, about six different places to, to practice and three different places for games. We're getting emails, you know, the Jazz have pra- have, uh, are not practicing today, so there'll be no Zoom media availabilities. Which is what would happen in the regular season. If they cancel practice, then you don't have the media availability at the end of practice. Uh, sure. Do guys go and get shots up? Because obviously three-point shooting has been an issue. When there's no practice, I get that's kind of a formal designation. But informally, do guys still go shoot? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's the case that would happen in, in you know normal times and back in Salt Lake. Um, the, the, you have that three-hour block. It's It's kind of precious time and guys are going to use that guys can also go ahead and schedule their own additional shoot around times if you know late late at night if they're trying to get in a little bit of extra work um beyond practice but yeah of course i mean with the amount of downtime you would have on it on an off day um guys still getting back into the swing of things you know certainly people are watching film um or we're getting a few extra shots in on on a non-practice day well, we know that the shots, particularly the threes, haven't been falling to the level that we had hoped for or expected. I'm wondering, hear me out on this theory. It's probably cockamamie, but I want to get your opinion on it, that they never really can get away from basketball like they could if they would go home. And so I'm wondering if it's wearing on their minds, particularly our Clarkson and the Yang, who are not shooting the ball well from distance. And I'm wondering if it just wears on them because they can't get away from it because you're down there and it's like you're it's this different environment. So maybe it's on your mind a little bit too much. Yeah, and that, that's certainly a possibility. I mean, there's there's a, there is a human aspect to all of this, um, you know. And and that that being said, you know, talking to. George yesterday, and he said the, maybe the minivan needs needs a you know change out needs an oil change or some new fuel. I need to hit a shot here, but you know. And then we were, we were watching the rain come down. And he goes, but you know, all storms pass, and he, those I think those guys will um, come around. They they know that they're not hitting shots at the, at the rate they want to hit them, and you know. But they've they've done this their entire lives. Um, you know, whatever the the reset that has to come, you know, it has to come within. The, the confines of, of this experiment and you know they I, I have a lot of faith in in a guy like George just his personality um, a guy like Jordan his personality as well to to kind of get their heads right and, and find their rhythm again so around the media Clarkson could be pretty quiet and all that which you know coming in midseason and they're all you know he doesn't know anybody and all that but then you hear players talk about how and actually I think it was Niang who was doing it was talking about like he is one of the most happy go lucky guys on the team and always seems to be upbeat is that something uh, you've seen yeah absolutely I was actually um, you know, recording a, a podcast with with Joe Ingles yesterday and um, and his wife Renee asked us what are some of the uh, you know surprises of, of being here and, and who have you learned about and, and just being around Jordan Clarkson a little bit 
um, is a, a surprise. I think, you know, a really probably an important trade, not only for from a basketball standpoint, but but from a locker room standpoint. He's a guy who's um, really breezy and really comfortable with who he is. You mean you see it in his uh, his game day attire, um, in, and you see it when he's interacting with his teammates. He's he's happy. He's um, just super confident. And he has a, a way of of being, um, you know, disarming people with with just how genuine and, and um, his, his comments are, but oh, I think a way of also talking to everybody on the team and, and maybe even, you know, saying some difficult things, but in a way that is going to resonate with everybody. So, yeah, I, I think he's um, actually a really, really important locker room guy at this point already. And, uh, you know, Joe Ingles said, you know, already one of my um, all-time favorite teammates, even though he's only been here for a few months. So you said that the locker rooms aren't open. I assume that's obviously post-game and pre-game, but then you just said you're recording that podcast that you've been doing with Joe and his wife. Is that something that you do on your own so you can have interaction with the players if they allow it sort of away from the team? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that was, I mean, the locker room is is closed um, for, it's a, it's a COVID precaution, right? They don't want people going in there and in a confined space. They don't want people trying to trying to limit the, the points of contact with players, and, and honestly, um, that podcast that we have been recorded was recorded both of us in separate hotel rooms on a uh, on a, like a Google Hangout. Um, so you know there are there are moments. There's a team room here. You know everyone has practices, and, and given how small the travel party is, people are, are interacting, and you're you're having some meals here and there with with everybody. Um, but yeah, there's still a precaution to try to keep people. You know, you're not supposed to have people in your in your rooms. You're not supposed to be in a locker room. There there are a lot of just precautions and, and things that have changed up just from a from the pandemic standpoint. Uh, you mentioned something about the rain, and we all saw that there was a huge storm going. Uh, you know, coming in and going up the east coast. Did you guys really get hammered by that? A little, a lot. What happened? No, just just a little. Um, you know, and it was one of the. The first things that the night we got here, um, you know, you, you get off the shuttle into the hotel and, and you have your, your first briefing from the NBA and, and, you know, it's like, hey, we're in a pandemic. We are um, aware of the, the social justice issues that are, are important and we want to keep those things going. Uh, there may be some alligators on the property and don't forget this is hurricane season. Like there are, there are a lot of things going on here, um, but, you know, we got email um, alerts and, and, you know, I think everyone kind of tracks those things on their own as well as the storm was coming. Um, you know, I, th- I think everyone feels also pretty safe in terms of what the, you know, we're inland and also that this resort has handled these things over um, you know, multiple times over the years. And, and there are plans and protocols in place. And then, uh, you know, it just, the storm broke down and it was like any other day it rained for 15 minutes, super hard. And then it was gone. We see the social activism, and we see it before the games, and Donovan Mitchell wore the bulletproof vest or the Zoom press conference and all that stuff. Is there any of that other stuff going on on this big campus? I think it's just an ongoing conversation. I mean, it's, um, you know, beyond the, the things that are that are seen on camera or, or, or the interviews that these players are giving, um, they're having a lot of these conversations themselves. And, you know, it's a lot of different t- team meetings that are focused on, on these things.
Hey, Aaron, can you hear us? Because uh, we lost you. You're all the way across the room. Sounds like you're on a speakerphone across the room, Aaron. All right, well, Yak, why don't you try to reestablish contact with him? Because uh, right in the middle of it there, that something happened. All right. Well, we'll find out uh, what Aaron was thinking there and uh, get back to you on that as that went away. All right, DJ and PK, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK, you're going to have to get that answer later, apparently. <laughs> that was weird. I, didn't I know. know I don't know on. what happened. <laughs> uh, all right, DJ and PK, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah, I think Major League Baseball calls it the old businessman special. The weekday matinee game. The Utah Jazz are playing the Memphis Grizzlies today, 12.30 this afternoon. You can see the game on AT&T Sportsnet. The Zones coverage begins at 11.30. David Locke on the call at 12.30, but the pregame show at 11.30. Memphis is going to be without Jaron Jackson Jr. Torn meniscus and loss to the Pelicans Monday has been ruled out for the remainder of the season. Memphis is 0-3 in the bubble. They are 8th in the West, but they are now just a game and a half in front of the Portland Trailblazers. And the rest of the West is closing in on them. They desperately need a win. Jazz are tied for fourth with the Houston Rockets right now. Elsewhere in the NBA, Devin Booker with a jumper at the buzzer, and the Suns beat the Clippers 117 to 115. Nets upset the Bucks 119 116, although Giannis Antetokounmpo didn't play in the second half. Trailblazers beat the Rockets 110 102. Damian Lillard with 21 points as Portland picks up the win. DJ PK, that is your back to basketball update presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Television voice of the Utah Jazz, our good friend Craig Bolajak. I want to ask you an impossible question. Out of Oklahoma City, Houston, Dallas, and Denver, which would be the best matchup for the Jazz? I think the Jazz and the fans themselves don't want to see Harden and Westbrook, so let's knock them out. And the other team that I don't think we match up well against, the Thunder, Chris Paul just has a way against the Jazz, as Harden does. Denver, I think, with the Joker and Gobert intrigues me. That matchup would be doable. Maybe I'd take Dallas. A little more lack of experience. I don't know. But good coaching matchups no matter who you play. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Join the Big Show Friday from 2 to 7 at the Warehouse, 86 East University Parkway in Orem. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. Boom! Well, the National College football guys are working overtime this morning, PK. We got breaking news all over the place every hour on the hour. Something else is happening this morning. If you weren't with us earlier this morning, UConn became the first of the 130 schools to cancel their football season. They were already down four games, uh, looking at a schedule that actually looked like they were down five. 
they had uh, apparently they had some players who didn't want to play. The school didn't say that specifically in their release, but they said they had consulted with players about the risk and kind of implied that there were some players who at least were lukewarm about playing. UConn's uh, just left the AAC and gone independent. Uh, as you pointed out, it's a pro football hotbed, and men's and women's basketball mean a lot at UConn. Football, uh, not so much over the last decade. So UConn's the first one to shut down. Uh, Brett McMurphy has been very busy. He is now, uh, he's a guy who uh, broke all the stuff on Ohio State and Urban Meyer, if you remember. He's done a lot of stuff with college football over the years. Uh, he has tweeted out the composite Big Ten schedule, which is huge news in one part of the country. He's also tweeted out that the Mountain West is expected to finalize eight conference plus two non-conference game schedule today, sources told Stadium. Uh, one reason for two non-conference games is to allow Air Force to play its command in chief games with Army and Navy, a source said. Now, Yach has been trying to get Mountain West Commissioner Craig Thompson on our show. This timeline, what McMurphy is reporting, makes a lot of sense because we were told the commissioner probably wouldn't be available till Thursday because <clears throat> they were going to make decisions and announce hmm. them on Wednesday. <laughs> he has meetings until yeah. Thursday or Friday, yeah. potentially. So hopefully we'll get the commissioner on. Uh, but this 8 plus 2, I would think uh, if you're a BYU fan, you would be taking this as pretty good news right now, PK. Well, I've been hugging my wife here for the last entire commercial break. <laughs> yeah, but that's I, just, a, that's just a day. BYU fans. That's just a day that ends in Y. That's got nothing to do with anything that's happening no. in college football. No, 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 we're too old to have romance at 8.30 in the morning now. We got 8 o'clock at night. Now that's another story. 10 o'clock, forget it, we're asleep. But no games in the Yukon Territory. But the Mountain West, yeah, I felt that that, that this was the logical thing to do. They play eight conference games. Obviously, the Pac-12 plays nine. So people want to schedule 10. So you got the 10 games by going to two, and that opens up for BYU. Yeah, because BYU is still a draw in the Mountain West. I mean, come on. People just like BYU to hate them. I mean, they like, they like to hate them. I mean, that, that's the reality of the situation. People in every Mountain West city, and really for every Pac-12 community also, are fur- they're very much fully aware of what BYU is all about and their football program and their legacy and everything. So this does provide the opportunity, and Tom is still working to see about what they can do for any Big 12 games that they can pick off and then go in that direction. It's not a question that the Cougars are just going to be left standing on the sideline while everybody else is playing football. That's not it at all. That'll, that was never going to be the case. It's a question of, well, will they all be on the sideline? That's an issue, yes. But BYU will have games this year. That wasn't an issue. If anybody was thinking that it was an issue, maybe they weren't. But if you were, forget it. That's not really going to be the problem. There's going to be opponents to play. It's going to be, uh, how would you say, a hodgepodge, mishmash, relative to what they expected. We understand that. But that's everybody now. That's no different. They would just have maybe some more games. Uh, the, the Michael Crow, the uh, president of uh, ASU, he's talking about how he actually believes that the U of A ASU game, which is scheduled for the first game of the season, won't be played until the end. And that's what they're doing by eliminating the two games 
off the schedule and creating buys. Basically what it's all about is the flexibility to move games around, fit a game that doesn't uh, work in September, October down the line. I don't know that it necessarily will work down the line, but that's about the flexibility. So the Cougars will have a schedule and they'll be able to play games if people are playing games. Uh, you can look at the three Mountain West teams are scheduled, and who knows if they'll add another. I haven't gone through everybody's schedule yet. Uh, but San Diego State's already lost the UCLA game. Uh, Yach was saying yeah, something yeah, about yeah. the Mid-American Conference. Do you think they're going to conference only? Have you seen that? Because that would knock Toledo off, which means that they'd need to play their BYU and Sac State games to get to 10. Uh, Utah State's lost two Pac-12 games, right? Because Washington and Washington State are gone. So for this announcement, uh, with Brett McMurphy tweeting out it's going to be 8 plus 2, well, if you're Utah State, you got your eight league games, you're playing SUU at home, and you're at BYU, so done and done. We had Gary Anderson on. He said he didn't think there'd be 12-game seasons, and that's every, every announcement we've heard so far that has turned out to be true. Um, Maybe the Sun Belt will be able to squeeze 12 in, but uh, you know all the Power Fives are playing 10 or 11. So now the Mountain West is going with 8 plus 2. So. Uh, and Boise State will have to lose a game if it's going to be 8 plus 2. They Actually, I, I find it kind of odd, but uh, Boise State hasn't lost a game yet. You know, they I think lost Florida State already. That's definitely out because that, that league's State playing was, plus one. Florida State was supposed to come to Boise. Oh, and they're not doing they're, that. It's it, going to be in has state. It to be a home game. Okay, so they are down one. they got to lose one more game. I, I would assume that Boise State would still play BYU, but I guess we'll have to see. It's 2020. Don't assume anything. So that would leave Tom oh, with a six-game so. yeah, schedule as, as things stand. Today, yeah, but uh, tomorrow. Right. I'm, I'm speaking metaphorically, not literally here. That, that that's going they're going to have the games the question is can the games be played that's the issue not will there be games to play I'm, I'm i'm completely confident that they'll have that they'll be able to play those games you already spoke about how yukon was supposed to go to san jose well that's one opening there for san jose if, if they should want it i don't know what san jose's schedule is as far as non-conference i don't know it at all off the top of my head or i'm looking at it they had their up. they had but their be, they had their penn state game canceled so they're down to 10 uh right now but you know what? i think even inside the mountain west there could be some adjustments you know hawaii's got a two-week quarantine so obviously san jose's in the same division with hawaii is that game really going to happen because if that two-week quarantine is sustained i don't see how hawaii's playing college football well, what you do, you know, that we didn't we have a basketball game on a on a ship? Maybe you can have a football game on a ship. <laughs> we did have a basketball. San Diego State moved a game with I think it was North Carolina, maybe Is to an, an aircraft, aircraft carrier. carrier that big and then and then they field? got like a tenth of an inch yeah. of rain, and it was slick, and it was a total mess. You know the the Utes. Yeah, in, well, football can play in the rain. That's no big deal. The Utes <laughs> tackle football on a ship. You just lay down just some roll turf. down some turf. Roll let's down, go. Roll down a couple layers of carpeting, some shag carpet, and you just go spray paint some lines on it. There's and there are photos out there. You can find them on the web if you do a Google search. Maybe I'll I'll find them during a break and post them. The Utes went to the Liberty Bowl in the 60s. I think it was 64 or something like that. You know how you're killing time before a game flipping through the media guide? They played it indoors in some convention center in Atlantic City and they trucked in dirt and put down a thing and they played it on an 80-yard field. So maybe you're onto something, PK. 
You know, a 60 or 80 yard field, whatever. Hawaii to the middle, to a ship in the middle of the ocean. Well, just make it a 50 yard field and you got to do it twice. So you run down and then you turn around and you got to come back. <laughs> they give them, that'd be far more difficulty. You know, you get a receiver gets long, well, then he's got to come back. He touches the wall. So then you got to face the defense. You may break away. <laughs> Yeah. You, you old lineman, you got to get up off the ground and be ready to hit someone if the play comes back your way. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I don't know exactly. what I don't know what that sport is, but I think I'd watch it. It's crazy, crazy times. So I think the Cougars and and Kalani referenced that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of unknowns, but we'll know soon. I, I'm paraphrasing. I'm pretty close to the quote that he said yesterday. And they've, they've been working on it. They have ideas. And, and you, you can talk to people and they can give you stuff. But uh, to me, I'm not calling these guys, calling BYU sources every day because I know they're working on stuff. And I've been told they're working on it. And in short order, they'll have announcements. It's a question of whether these things will actually happen as opposed to whether they will be able to be scheduled. The scheduling of it won't be the problem. The that's if not, there's a problem yeah. at all, it will be actually the competition. That's not the tricky part. You can cut a deal in August. The question is right. uh, how healthy is it or unhealthy is a, is a city going to be when you try to play a game there in October or November? Exactly. Well, I think the Mountain West flexibility is, is the key because we know the New Mexico governor has already – ask them not to play and we don't know how that'll play out and Hawaii's got the quarantine so we don't know how that'll play out and then just the three California schools uh, talking to my friends from college in California you know things are shut down there high school sports have been uh, pushed back in Southern California so a lot of question marks what'll happen there I, the Mountain West Conference I mean we're talking about BYU but I think even from Utah State's perspective uh, you know, you, you may have to be flexible. I don't know. I thought the Pac-12 did a good job kind of breaking them into three groups of four, setting a bye date so either game one or game two could be replayed on a bye week or could be moved into a bye week midseason, and they left a week at the end of the year. It's too early to know if the Mountain West is going to do something similar to that with their schedule and how much flexibility they're going to have. But that could get... Uh, that could get pretty wild. I mean, there's five schools there you can have doubts about. Maybe ultimately all five will play. Uh, but it wouldn't be a shocker if any one of or two of those five had, had major issues. Well, yeah, who knows what's going to be a shocker, what you class as a shock, classify as a shocker right now. But the reality is there's so much money at stake that they're going to try to do everything possible uh, to – to get fulfill those, in. yeah, fulfill those TV contracts. But, yep. But yeah, I mean, they need the money. I mean, you have to. You can't. I, I, I don't want to get political here, and I don't lecture people because I've got no answers on any of this stuff. But I don't know that you can completely divorce uh, economics from the discussion. I mean, you can if you're really sure you want somebody of your own persuasion in the White House. I, I get all that, and then it gets into political. But I think in a real setting, you just can't just take away the economics of the situation. And I get it. You you don't want this guy to get reelected. You want somebody else in there. Fine, whatever. I don't really care about it. You do. You you're you're entitled to your own political beliefs uh, as much as anybody else. So 
I think that economics factors into everything. I was talking to a guy yesterday, and we were talking about Kaepernick. And, you know, he's asking me, and I said, don't, don't discount the economics. You think he did what he did for money? I think everybody does stuff what they do for money. It's, I don't hold Kaepernick to a different standard than everybody else. Now, I'm not saying it's 100%, but I think finances factor into everything. Of course they do. They have to. So let's factor those into it, and that's what they're going to do as far as college football. Yes, they need the money. Yes, they, obviously, that's what it's about. I mean, they're not just doing it for the joy of doing it. It would be great if they did, but I don't think that's the case. So they have this flexibility to move these games around, and who knows how it's going to be. When we get to December, You could. what would you put, DJ? You're a percentage guy. You love these types of issues. You always throw this at me. Uh, what when we get to December, whatever that might be, say December twentieth, where I think like the last uh, title games are scheduled for the nineteenth, if they if they have to move them out. So let's just use September twentieth as a, sort of an artificial deadline to the end of the regular season. What percentage on December twentieth would you put, looking back, that we had a season that? was conducted as planned today. Not as was conducted as planned in February, but conducted and played as planned today. When we get to December 20th, what percentage would you put on that? The first number that came to my mind was 20, and then I started to second-guess myself down to 10. Wow, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Now, and the the third thing that came into my mind, and this is just totally my brain as you start throwing this out there and we've done the show long enough, I can see where you're going and I'm just worrying through things. Like, as currently planned, do I get to factor in the Pac-12 put in bye weeks and put in a week yes. after that. Yes. Because if that if moving Arizona Arizona State from the opener to midseason or to the end of the year is part of the plan, if you get to consider that, because they did plan for it. It's not it's not plan yes. A. Plan A is to play the first week of the season. And I gotta say, when I first right. saw that, and you know, I was on my phone scrolling on Twitter and I saw USC UCLA for the opener and Arizona State it was WTF. That was the first thing I thought is like, really? We can't even have the rivalry games at the end of the year? Now, given about, you know, two minutes to think about it, I'm like, wait a minute. Arizona and L.A. are hot spots. They're having them play each other, so it has to be delayed. And then I start looking at the bye weeks and realize, oh, this is good. They broke them into groups of four. So if either week one or week two has to be canceled, they can move it to midseason, and they've got this spot at the end of the year. So I thought the Pac-12, you know, we've talked about it a million times. I thought they totally bungled it when they went to 12 teams and said Notre Dame can play on Thanksgiving weekend, but nobody else can. As bad as that was, this was spot on on target. Whoever came up with this, you know, this is, for all the stuff we're in, this is A-plus scheduling, you know. So if that wiggle room gets to count, then the odds go up. But I think the X factor here, I think the biggest hurdle, and we'll all be able to answer this better. What happens, and I'm looking at the Miami Marlins, and and maybe the Cardinals, um, but what happens for the schools that are going to have students on campus? What happens when the students get back to campus? Because I think we're seeing mostly Major League Baseball teams. Well, first off, the NBA 
is clearly taking the and Major League Soccer. They get in their bubbles. They're having zero tests. This has been a great outcome. It's going great, right? Soccer had to send two teams home, but they brought positives in from the communities they came from, and so they had to leave. But once they're there, that's been great. Baseball, 90% of the teams are not having problems. The guys are playing by the rules. They're doing the stuff they need to do, whether it's masking up, social distancing, don't go to bars, don't have six guys in, on the road playing video games, breathing on each other, you know, none of that. They, they're just cranking out the games and, and it's going fine. Now, the Marlins and the Cardinals had problems, but Chris Peterson told UPK the dumbest group of people in America, 18 to 22-year-old males. Rutgers, Texas, LSU, I don't know what's going on at Rutgers. LSU guys went to a club. Texas guys apparently met at somebody's apartment or house or whatever and had too many people too close together. When you put college campuses together and all those kids there and the athletes are moving around amongst them, are we going to have outbreaks and delays? i got to figure we are. You know, I'm not counting on teams playing 10 games. I think we're going to get to mid-December. If it were me, I'd, move the, I'd be ready to move the college football playoff back around the Super Bowl. You know, if you want to play the, the semis on the Saturday before the Super Bowl, I'd give conferences a few more weeks to, to finish these games. That's just me. I guess you don't have to announce that now. You can have that plan B and have it in your back pocket. But I just think when they open campuses up, for the campuses that are going to have 20 or 30,000 or however many kids, you know, if they're, on, if they're mostly online, then I would pump those odds up and say, yeah, you know what, maybe we're in 50-50 territory. Yeah, I would have gone a little higher than what you said. So when you say uh, move it back, the title games, you're also talking about moving the regular season beyond so, so that they have, December. So they can reschedule more games if they have outbreaks. You know, I, I just think it's not that hard to see some area. I don't know. I don't track this stuff enough. But every once in a while, I'm on Twitter and I see that they are like they can project like here's the next four or five states that are trending up that are going to be the hot spots. Because initially it was uh, Washington and Michigan and New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Right. And then Washington and Michigan seemed to get under control. But New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, it was just awful. Right. And then they got under control. But then it's Florida, Arizona, Texas. And now it's going to be somebody else in September and October because the Arizona numbers are starting to come down. The Florida numbers are starting to come down. I don't know about Texas. Maybe they are. So it's going to be somewhere else. So I think one league, if you said just one league getting through it, then I think the odds go way up. But the thought that five different Power Five leagues and the Mountain West, because we care about them too, that those six leagues are all going to get through this without an outbreak that just crushes them, without college kids on campus, going to parties. Where was I yesterday? I got to think, what, what, what was I doing? I drove past somewhere, and there were a bunch of people out. What was I doing? I got to figure this out for the next segment. But there were a bunch of people who were masked up wherever I was. I mean, there were a lot of people masked up. And then I noticed about 10 people who weren't masked up. And the one thing I noticed about them, it looked like they were all under 30. You know, are college kids really going to go on campus and be careful? Because I think, I think y- the football teams have protesting been. in Co- Cottonwood Heights, weren't you? Yeah, that's what I was doing. You're right. I was marching in the street in Cottonwood <laughs> Heights. No, I wasn't. I didn't go to Costco yesterday. What the heck was I doing? I got to figure that out. It's bugging well, me. You didn't now. go to the gym. Absolutely not. <laughs> Please. Is Dunkin' Donuts open? 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I did think about you yesterday after your, there's too much pie and ice cream. And, and my son's been here for the summer and he's going back to D.C. and he's got a job. And so he's taken off today. And so what did we have last night? We had pizza and then we had ice cream. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, it's so an it. occasion. It wasn't. He's a, going out of it was, town, yeah, so it was of an course. Yeah, it was an occasion. Oh, well, that's okay. Come on. <laughs> DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up at the top of the hour, Kalani Sataki. We're playing the greatest hits. Uh, Kalani talked for like half an hour yesterday, but we got three or four of the key things he said about quarterback, about running back, about scheduling. We will get to that coming up in about 15 minutes. Stay with us. Three, two. Jets are back. Catch and shoot three. Ow! And this is your Jazz Game Preview. Presented by University of Utah Health. The Utah Jazz are coming off an encouraging performance against the L.A. Lakers. And up next is a desperate Memphis Grizzlies team. Yes, the NBA has created an environment in the Orlando bubble where the Grizzlies are desperate. Losers of their first three in the bubble now clinging on to the eighth or ninth spot to get into the play-in game. John Morant and Jaron Jackson, the young guns, lead the Grizzlies against their former teammate Mike Conley. Tip-off time, 1.30. Jazz and the Grizzlies right here on the Zone Sports Network. This Jazz Game Preview is presented by University of Utah Health. They take care of Utah like Utah takes care of each other. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. A clean home is a healthy home. And right now, Zero Res is cleaning carpets for $33 per room. Mention DJ and PK when you call and get a fourth room clean for free. Call Zero Res today to schedule your cleaning at 801-288-9376. All right. PK, my mind... <laughs> is back. I was at the airport. That's where I was yesterday. I took my son out to rent his car and you drop him off at the rental car. You drive past where the pickup is and, and certainly there was less traffic at the airport, but there was still a fair number of people who were flying for one reason or another. And that's where I saw a lot of people masked up, but I saw also a pretty good number of people, you know, 10 or 20 people standing pretty close to each other, not masked up, and most of them looked like they were under 30. So we were talking in the last segment, what are the odds, uh, because you know I love this stuff, what are the odds we'll get through a season of college football as scheduled now with the 10-game seasons and allowing for what the Pac-12 has if you have to bounce a game into a bye week or the end of the season, you know, you do, and and that's okay. So, and, and I said... 20% 20% was the first number that came into my mind. When I second guessed myself, I said 10. Now, you'll have people reach out to you during the break, and you don't necessarily even want to, you know, if you haven't confirmed it yourself, you certainly don't want to throw details out there or even mention, you know, where you're getting this from. But have you heard any stories during the break that would make you lower? You didn't give us a number. You just thought higher than 20. But did you hear a story that would make you lower your number, whatever it is? I can't say lower the number, No. Uh, because they're going to do, just because of the economic situation, everything possible Mm -hmm. to try to get this done. Now, you brought up extending it. I used the arbitrary deadline as December 20th, Yeah. right? You brought up extending it beyond that. So if you're going to, if they would be willing, I would wonder how that would work, because you got so many people are willing to jump on. This seems like the national media so many people, in the, and I guess and particularly if you have any form of print, and by print I, I expand what the definition To the dot-com writers. Are. Yeah, it's not the traditional, but let's just face it. Those folks, like myself, if you came up in that business, you're just automatically 
cynical. <laughs> just it, it, it's just the reality. I'd be lying if I said that's not the case. And so you you tend to be a little bit of a half empty type guy or gal, whatever it might be. And so with that in mind, you know, there's if you went beyond the December twentieth date that we put out there mm-hmm. and extended it, you're going to hear of people, oh, well, now you're going into a second semester yep. and these are mm-hmm. amateurs. So college football, which is easily cracked upon, and the NCAA might be the, an institution that's cracked upon the most because it's this monolithic organization and people just take shots at it. Not unjustifiably, I might add, but they still take shots at it all the time. So if they extend it even later, we're going to talk about the burden that is on the quote-unquote student-athlete. You know that those types of uh, articles and columns and opinion pieces are going to be written. But if we factor that in as a possibility, then that causes me to raise my level of percentage Mm -hmm. because if I can get another six weeks on the other end of it, that I didn't right. anticipate having, it, obviously, to me, that increases the odds. You know, and I would also say, and I've, I've wondered about this, uh, I think moving the Super Bowl, and the NFL doesn't want to do that, but logistically, it's way easier to do if you're not going to have a full stadium. You don't need all the hotels. I don't think they're going to have all the tents and the parties this year. Um, you know, and so when you scale the Super Bowl down so it becomes about the game as opposed to, I don't even want to say the event, because really, it's a smorgasbord of events. With 100,000, I mean, there are people who fly into town for Super Bowl parties who never go to the game. <laughs> they're, they're oh, gone. that's absolutely true. They're yeah. gone before the game starts. That's not what right. it's about. It's seeing be seen. It's handshakes. It's, it's making sure that uh, your vendors, your clients are taken care of and have a good time and all that. And if all that stuff goes away because it's not safe, then I think the NFL, because I think, you know, back to the money point, the NFL needs to play on 17 weekends, the 16 games across the 17 weekends, to get all their TV money. And we all know they get a lot of TV money. So they'll build some stuff into the schedule, and you know they may not have a week before the Super Bowl. They may have to push stuff back a week. But I've wondered if the Super Bowl could be pushed back a couple weeks. If that's what it takes to get all the games in, there's a lot of money at stake. You know, It wouldn't shock me either, PK, if we have some leagues that play eight games and some that play nine and some that play ten, and the playoff happens on time. That, that wouldn't shock me either. Okay, if you factor that, then that increases my percentage even more. But I hadn't factored that in. But if you're going to factor that in, then then I'm probably up close to 50, if not yeah. above 50. Well, when I say 20%, I was making everybody play 10 or 11 like they're announcing now. So part of that failure to go through is, well, they're, they're, they're going to play, but they're only going to get to eight or nine games. You know, they're going to be some games that can't be made up. You know, if, if Southern California and Arizona remain hotspots and you have to move their first two games and they move one to a bye week and one to the other week, then any, anything else and they're down to nine games. You know? Well, what we're going to have, I could see it now, ASUSC in Blythe. <laughs> now, I don't know where it is, but, and maybe you do, but when I was in Santa Barbara, there, there's a... Uh, there's three public high schools, but we really covered five because there was a private Catholic school and there was a, a suburb beach community called that you've been to called Carpinteria, and it's yes. a small. It's, it's got its own uh, high school. City. <laughs> it's its own high school, and they're smaller. They played a different. You know, it'd be the equivalent of having you know a bunch of five A and six A teams, and then they would have been two A or three A, kind of that equivalent, right? So they're in the playoffs one year, and the southern section's enormous, except for. 
San Diego County and the L.A. City Schools. The southern section is San Luis Obispo, you know, down to the San Diego County line. It's massive. And it's from the ocean all the way to the Nevada state line. And they have to go to the desert. And it wasn't Tehachapi, but it was something like that in the desert. And they played on a field, a sand field, and it was 80 yards. And it was a CIF game. Yeah. You know, it was crazy. It's so ironic that you mentioned Carpinteria today. Because? I don't know why. You're going. Because today, no. Today is my, my father's gone. Mm -hmm. He would be 91 years old today, right? Today's his birthday. And when he was 80, we're in California, and I hope I can get through this without tearing up, but we rented a, he came over from Phoenix, and we went down here from obviously Salt Lake, and we rented a convertible, and I surprised him. I drove around the hotel. I said, Dad, get in. We're going up the coast. And we drove up to Santa Barbara, and we had lunch in Carpinteria <laughs> on this day, this very day when he turned 80 11 years ago. You would have loved Lou Panazon. He was a high school coach at Carpinteria forever. And uh, Lou Panazon, he was a good dude. He's a quintessential high school football coach. Good guy. Carpinteria High. All right, if you have a chance to go to the beach in Carpentry and knock yourself out, it's awesome. DJ and PK, it's 97.5. Yachts planning a trip. Thumbs up, beach. I'm in. DJ and PK coming back, uh, BYU. They didn't have the media day. They moved it. They ended up postponing, canceling, uh, too many questions. But finally, Kalani met with the media. He spoke for like half an hour. We got three moments that kind of jumped out at us. There was a lot of stuff in there. But we'll play you his responses to questions about quarterback, about running back, about scheduling. We'll get to that next. Stay with us.